I'm Ruma Tenbrink, and welcome to the Children's Bedtime Stories podcast for adults. I am so excited to be reading to you my first book this evening. I really hope you enjoy this, and I hope it helps you fall asleep in a beautiful slumber and take you to a faraway land. Thank you so, so much for listening. World-renowned musician, environmentalist, and humanitarian Dave Matthews, in collaboration with popular children's book author Cleet Barrett-Smith, has conjured an exciting and poignant fantasy about a girl who must confront her past mistakes before she can save her peaceful forest community from a gigantic threat. I am honored to read to you, If We Were Giants, Little Voices Can Have a Huge Impact. Let joy begin as we read Part 1, The Volcano. podcasts and thank you Trish DMB 23 from my hashtag DMB family who left me a lovely review that I would like to read and she gave me five stars thank you again the title is Ruma is a star Ruma's voice and gift for storytelling will have you feeling calm and joyful in no time. Five stars, exclamation mark. Thank you so much, Trish. And guess what? You get a prize for being my first five-star reviewer. I love that clapping laugh track so much. (laughs) I'm going to try to figure out ways, many ways to use that. Anyway, thank you again, Trish. The Volcano, Chapter 8 When Kira woke up, bruised and tender all over from the events of the previous night, her secret was a physical presence in the bedroom. It sat on her chest like a pile of stones, making it difficult to breathe. It whispered in her ear about what a horrible daughter and sister she had been to her family, to her tribe, to all Zidu. She couldn't escape it. Everywhere she looked, it was staring her right in the face. She didn't even have to debate herself. It was obvious what she had to do. Her mother and father had to know right away about the takers and what had happened. Yes, there would be a punishment unlike anything she had ever endured. Yes, her parents' disappointment would be so deep they probably wouldn't talk to her for years and years. And yes, this was the worst part. She might not be allowed to go outside 
ever again. But Zidu had to be protected, so she pushed herself painfully out of bed, trudged through the hut, and made her way to the back porch. However, the big chair where her mother sat every morning to go over council notes was empty. Same with the courtyard. The shared communal space was free of the usual morning bustle. Making her way quickly around to the front of the hut, Kira blinked and looked out at the great ring of terraces that circled the inside of their volcano home. At different points of the day, as the sun moved through the heavens, the various sections of the community received direct light that filtered in through the narrow opening at the top of the volcano. You could always tell what time it was by which terrace was lit up, and if Kira could trust her senses, it looked like she had slept well past noon. She raced back into the hut and looked everywhere, but neither of her parents was home. Next, she went into Tico's quarters and found her little brother still snoring heavily. She thought about whether or not to wake him up and finally decided she couldn't risk him talking to her parents before she did. The secret would simply be too big for him and she was going to need to manage the way in which they got this particular message. Kira sat on her brother's mattress and placed a hand on his arm. Immediately, Tico cried out in terror and bolted upright in bed, eyes wild. Her heart sank. This was all her fault. By taking her brother outside, Kira had exposed him to something that would continue to haunt him for the rest of his life. How could she have been so stupid, so selfish? Shh, it's okay, Tico, it's just me, it's okay. She patted him on the arm to calm him down. We're home, we're safe. Tico took a deep breath and slowly relaxed. The two siblings sat that way for several moments, collecting themselves and sinking into the fact that they had indeed made it back within the protecting walls of Zidu. What are we going to do, Kira? Tico whispered. You don't have to do anything, Tico. I will tell Paja and Maja what happened. He nodded as she spoke soothingly. And then they will go to the council and discuss what to do to protect Zidu from those awful people. Our part is over. It should have never even started. This problem is one for the grown-ups. Understand? But there were so many of them, Kira. And they were so big. And they looked so... So, Tico was staring into the middle distance, eyes unfocused, clearly reliving the events of the previous night and struggling to describe the monstrous takers. Those weapons? So terrible. Never seen anything like it. And that horrible leader with the... Shh. 
Kira grabbed her little brother and held him close when the tears started leaking out of his eyes. I know it was scary. I know. I was scared too. She ran her hand along his back like their mother used to do when they were little. But we are home now, safe. No one knows Zidu is here. It's been that way for many, many generations. These were her father's words, and as she said them, they comforted her as well as her brother. Tico let out a long breath, relieved. He pulled back from his sister and wiped at his eyes. Okay, but who are they? And how did you know they would be there? And why didn't Paja... Kira held up a hand, cutting him off. None of that matters right now. First, I need to find him and tell everything we know. But I can. I know you want to help. For now, though, I just need you to lie low until I can get to him. Maybe take the day away from our terrace and play with your friends. Try to forget about it for a few hours if you can. Come back at dinner and I should have it all sorted out. After a few moments of contemplation, Tico gave her a sidelong glance. We're going to be in trouble, aren't we? Oh, yes. Big trouble? The biggest. Tico sighed. Okay, then. I guess it's a good idea for me to go play with Darain and Mickey. Might be the last time I see them for a while. Kira managed a half-smile. Probably a good plan. Tico climbed out from underneath his covers and started to get dressed. Kira rose to leave the room, then stopped in the doorway. Tico? Yeah? I'm proud of you, you know, for the way you handled yourself last night. Even better than a Zidouan warrior, if there were such a thing. Tico beamed. Thanks, Kira. She waved goodbye and made her way down the front steps and across the terrace. It would have been easier to find her mother. Kira knew she would be in the council chambers, but she wanted to talk to Taro first. Having spent so much time outside, he might be slightly more understanding about what she had done. And besides, even though she would never admit it out loud, she had a special bond with her father that made him easier to approach than her mom. The problem was Taro could be anywhere. Part of his job was to roam widely throughout the interior of the volcano, staying up on current events and collecting bits of information that he would weave together in his stories of Zidu and her people. He could rarely be found in the same spot two days in a row, which was one of the reasons that Kira wanted to be a storyteller. She couldn't imagine having to go to the same place every day for work. So she set out to wander along the terraces, asking after him. Farmers, bakers, couriers, herders, but no one had seen her father. The longer she had to keep her dark revelation to herself, the heavier it became to carry. After several hours, the fading light falling on the eastern terraces signaling an imminent sunset. 
She gave up looking for Taro. He could be anywhere. So she would have to approach her mother first. She took a deep breath, tried to summon some courage, and headed back in the direction of the council chambers. When Kira arrived, Dejana was just walking out. She looked tired. Oh, hello, sweetheart. What brings you this way? I need to talk to you. Perfect. We'll walk home together. Dejana linked her arm with her daughter's. I couldn't wake you this morning. Did you two have a wild night while the grown-ups worked on the festival? Kira swallowed hard as her stomach flipped, but she could tell from Dejana's quick smile that she was just making a joke. It made Kira's heart ache to see such a trusting and loving look on her mother's face. This was going to be even more difficult than she'd been dreading it would be. Do, do you know when Paja will be coming home? I need to speak with both of you. Dijana's eyebrows scrunched up. What's wrong, precious one? Kira looked down at the ground as they walked. It will be easier to tell you both at the same time, she mumbled. Dijana stopped walking and let go of Kira's arm. Your father had to leave this morning. I know. I've been looking all over for him. When will he be back? Maja hesitated before answering and cleared her throat. I'm not quite sure. He didn't just go to another terrace this time. He had to... Kira. He had to go outside again. Kira's head snapped up. What? So soon, she thought? We just got back yesterday, and he never goes outside without me anymore. Why? I'm afraid I cannot discuss that with you. But I'm a helper now. This is important, and I'm supposed to know what... Dijana put her hand up. It's official council business. You know I'm forbidden to share any details with you. Kira's head spun. It had to be connected to what she'd overheard them talking about yesterday. Nothing else would take him away from home so soon. She inhaled deeply. There was no more time for secrets or hesitation. A horrifying image rose up in her mind of Taro lashed to a tree trunk. She could not let Paja be discovered by Red Streak and the rest of his awful soldiers, no matter what might happen to her afterward. When did he leave? He was helping me with council matters for most of the day, so he ended up leaving Zidu about an hour ago, but I don't see what that has to do with an hour? At least tell me this, I beg you. Did he go to Nafalu to see what's happening there? Or to warn them, maybe? Dejana sputtered and didn't reply right away. But the look on her mother's face, shock and confusion, mixed with the beginning of anger, was all the answer Kira needed. She turned and raced to the edge of the terrace, jumped off to land in the cushion of leaves and moss, then popped right back up and kept running. Maja cried out behind her, but Kira was not worried about pursuit. Even on sore and tired legs, she knew she was faster. 
and she would need every last bit of that speed. He left an hour ago, she thought. If Taro had gone directly to the village, he could nearly be there by now. The activities on each terrace passed by in a blur. Friends and extended family members calling out unanswered greetings. Kira raced on, the pain in her legs forgotten, everything forgotten except the need to get outside and find Paja before something terrible happened to him. She finally arrived at the closest exit tunnel. Her friend, the watcher's helper, Tattoo, sat with her back against the stone wall, eating a bowl of vegetables. Tattoo! Kira was panting. You must help me! Where is your watcher? In the tunnel? Tattoo nodded, but regarded her friend warily. Kira, why are you so... I need you to distract him. Get him away from the exit for just a minute so I can sneak outside. Tattoo's eyes went wide, but your father already left, and he said, It doesn't matter. I'm going alone. Please help me now. Kira hopped from one foot to the other impatiently. Alone? Tattoo glanced uneasily at the entrance to the tunnel. But Kira, you know I can't. I could lose my position as... Kira turned and dashed away from her friend. There was no time to argue. With each passing second, Paja could be in more danger. Rules no longer applied. She stormed into the tunnel and barreled through its twists and turns. At the end of the passageway, the official watcher knelt at the exit with his back to her, eyes trained on the surrounding landscape just beyond the volcano's wall. Kira knocked into him as she ran past. Hey, he yelled, dashing into the rapidly dimming light of dusk on the outside. She could hear footsteps pounding the earth behind her, but she wasn't worried about that either. For one thing, she had never been faster. She doubted any grown-up could catch her under normal circumstances, and panic was giving her supernatural speed and energy. And for another thing, there seemed to be an invisible barrier around Zidu for anyone who was not a traveling storyteller. The Watcher would soon grow very uncomfortable outside, and he would go back and report her rather than follow her into the unknown. Who cares, Kira thought. Let him report me. The only thing that matters is getting Paja home safely. Wow, that is the end of chapter eight. And again, my heart is racing. This is very quickly becoming an extremely just adventurous and kind of scary definitely exciting nail biter has you on the edge of your seat and is also just so intriguing to say the least i would like to extend my gratitude to dave matthews and cleet barrett smith for allowing me to read this story on my children's bedtime story podcast for adults. Thank you both so, so much. 
and you will not even begin to know how much we appreciate your talents. Thank you everyone else for listening. And again, if you enjoyed this podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts, sorry, Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and give me a five-star review. I would so, so, so appreciate it. Thank you all again, wishing you a restful, relaxing, and rejuvenating slumber this evening so that you may wake up feeling refreshed and wonderful tomorrow.